Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode will air on Tuesday, January 12th, 2021. Good morning, everyone. This is Shannon, and I am here in my happy place getting ready to talk to you about all kinds of great new books. And I have a snuggly purring cat in my lap. And if you know anything about me at all, you know that cats plus books or books plus cats are pretty much my necessities for an excellent day, night, afternoon, whatever you want to call it. So here I am, books and cats. So I do have new books to tell you about, but before I get to them, I also have an author interview with Ashley Aldrain, whose debut novel, The Push, came out last week, January 5th, to great acclaim. And I had a really excellent conversation with her about motherhood, about writing, about what it means to follow your dream, even if your dream doesn't end up looking quite like you expected. It was just a lot of fun. So I'm going to give you the usual housekeeping information, and then we'll dive right into that interview. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And here is Ashley Audrain on the Book Bistro podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and I am joined today by debut author Ashley Audrain, whose novel, The Push, was released in the U.S. on January 5th and has actually been chosen by Good Morning America for their book pick this month. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Shannon, thank you for having me. So I like to start by having authors give listeners a little bit of an introduction to their novel. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about The Push? Sure. Um, It's the story of a woman named Blythe Connor. And Blythe comes from um, a long history of women who have struggled greatly with motherhood. And she's determined that she is going to break that cycle and be the sort of warm, you know, engaged, present mother that she herself never had. Um, And so she has a baby with her husband. The baby's name is Violet. Um, And it's not long until she starts to realize that there is something wrong with Violet. She is very different than other little girls her age. She's quite aloof and, you know, not attached to her at all. Um, And she starts to witness some sort of malicious behavior towards other children. And the problem, of course, is that her husband can't see what she sees 
in Violet. Um, he thinks this is very much, you know, a result of the maternal anxiety that Blythe has carried for so long and sort of her fear of motherhood. Um, and so they, you know, move on and have another baby, Sam. And in that baby, Blythe does find that maternal connection she's looking for, um, which is very validating for her um, until something sort of tragically wrong happens, it, something goes wrong in the family. And um, they're all sort of forced to take a look at, you know, who their daughter is and who Blythe herself is, um, what has happened. And the book is really about sort of the unraveling of the family from there. So I have seen the push categorized in a few different ways. Some people have called it a psychological thriller. Some people have called it horror. And so I'm wondering what you call it. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I I think the best description that I've heard of it was from my publisher. She, we were having a conversation and she said, you know, I think that this, the best description for the book is really, you know, emotional suspense. And that sort of resonated with me the most, I think, although I'm not sure that's an official sales category for books. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I never set out to write a psychological thriller at all. It was not my intention. My intention was really just to write about motherhood and, you know, about the fears um, and expectations of motherhood, uh, you know, I really sort of felt like, you know, fear and motherhood are so closely connected, you know, almost as closely connected as you could say that, you know, motherhood and love are. And I, I just, that was really what I wanted to focus on. And I think, of course, when you start writing about fears, is sort of the natural place that that goes is more towards the thriller genre, which of course has fear at the heart of it. Yes. Um, and so the book sort of ended up there, but it wasn't where it started, I would say. So I think, it, I think you're right. I think it fits in a few different categories. I always find that interesting how books are categorized because like certain books you look at and you're like, okay, this right here is historical fiction this is a romance like you can categorize mm -hmm. certain things but then you have other books that kind of fall into this like almost a genre hybrid category where depending yeah. on your view as a reader you can like you can decide oh you know this doesn't feel as much like a thriller to me as it feels you know like something else um yeah that is interesting I agree I I always you know i I, I like those conversations too, because it is kind of, in, in the, I don't think the writer, in a lot of cases, I don't think the writer, especially for a debut, because you're sort of figuring out who you are as a writer still, um, you know, you, you might not have that intention for it to fit in a certain bucket. And then it sort of, sort of gets put there along the way, I think, you know, rightfully so by publishers, because they need a way to kind of talk about the book to booksellers and, you know, to marketing. But it's funny, because that conversation came up a lot when we were working on the cover, when the publisher was kind of coming up with the cover. Um, I think especially in the U.S., um, it doesn't the, this the book the push it doesn't have sort of a typical um, like psychological thriller style of cover, and I think that it you know there's there's a I think the um, the the font like the push the title is sort of written in a more thriller way, but then there's this more sort of um, you know artistic kind of image in the background. Um, so yeah, the cover I think maybe hints at the fact that it's a bit of a hybrid. I really like that writers have the freedom to like not keep themselves boxed in so like if I call this a thriller but someone else calls it something else like that's totally fine and when you as an author talk about the book you still have your own like view of what it is and none of those views are invalid Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's it's funny because I did a panel last night um, 
virtually, of course, with um, two other authors. And one of those authors is the wonderful um, Liz Moore, who wrote Ooh. Long Bright River, who I love. Yeah. Yes, I love Liz Moore. Oh, she's so great. And yeah, it was a treat to be on a panel with her last night. And I loved that book. But it's yes. funny because to me, and it, the, the title of our panel was about um, psychological thrillers that relate to family. And it's funny because I never, I, when I was reading her book, I wouldn't have called that necessarily a psychological thriller sort of no. right off the top. You know, it didn't feel that way to me, although it was certainly a suspenseful book in many ways. So it's, in, and then the other author who was on the panel was um, Amy Malloy, who wrote Goodnight Beautiful. Oh, and she wrote the yes. other before, another great yes. author. And I mean, hers felt more like what we think of when we think of that psychological thriller. And then I felt like mine was sort of somewhere in the middle. So I feel like it was interesting and it was fun to have conversations about sort of, you know, suspense and that sort of thriller area, because like you said, there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. And I think kind of the boundaries of what we consider a thriller have really expanded in the last few years, especially. I am so sorry. I missed such an excellent sounding panel. Oh, thanks. It was fun. It was good. It was with um, Politics and Prose, uh, the wonderful oh, okay. So, yes. Yeah, it's online if you want to listen to it. Oh, good. I'll have to look it up then <laughs> because um, thrillers are one of my favorite genres. So I'm always really happy to hear people talk about them, especially authors who are writing them in all their mm -hmm. various forms. So let's talk a little bit about your kind of journey toward publishing this book had you always wanted to be a writer or is this something that kind of occurred you know outside of your like traditional dreams Mm hmm. You know, I did always want to write. I mean, if you had have asked me when I was, you know, a little girl what I wanted to do when I grew up, that that would have been the answer I gave you. But um, and I and I'd always kind of spent time writing, you know, on the weekends and after work and took, you know, like creative fiction night courses at the local community college at night and had always kind of had writing in my life, although I had pursued a different path. I went um, down the path of sort of public relations and marketing and worked in some PR agencies for most of my career um, and then had the opportunity to work at Penguin Canada. I'm here in Toronto, in Canada. Yeah. And so I worked there for a couple years as publicity director, which was you know, a wonderful opportunity for me because I was still doing PR and publicity, but I had moved out of that agency world and into the world of books, which for me yes. was like, you know, being a kid in a candy store every time I walked in the office, it was amazing. Um, so I, I loved that job and I did that for a few years. And interestingly, I didn't really write much during those years, even though I had, you know, written so much before. And I think it's because, you know, looking back now, it is quite a humbling experience to be an aspiring writer and be working at a publishing house house with, you know, the greatest authors that we have. So yeah, I, I really focused that time on reading, which was its own incredibly wonderful education. I read more, you know, in those few years than I probably ever had before. Um, and then I left that job to go on mat leave um, to have my first child, to have my son. And um, I ended up, I guess when he was about six months old, uh, we have a year long mat leave here in Canada, which is amazing. Um, and so it is, it is. Um, and so I, about six months into that, I started writing. Um, and I just, I, you know, really, it all kind of came back to me, just that urge and that need to write and to be creative. And I felt very creative at that time. And so I would kind of steal little, you know, pockets of time through the week whenever I could to, to start working on this. Um, and then I never went back to work after that. I really just, you know, focused on, you know, obviously, 
taking care of my son full time, but then but then working as well on this book as well on, on my own kind of free time. And it took me a long time. It took three year over three years <laughs> to write this because I again, it was sort of, you know, not working on it full time at all. Um, and yeah, so that that was sort of the journey. It took took probably three years to get it to the point where I felt like it was, you know, the best I could make it and it was probably ready to send out to agents. So yeah, so it, I felt like it was a long time coming and that I'd always wanted to be a writer and I really felt like a writer, you know, at heart all those years. But um, but it's not something that I felt like I could really, you know, pursue um, because I was really so tied up in kind of just, you know, career and, you know, had to make a living and yeah, came to me a bit later. So how was it for you to write a book about motherhood and all of the fears associated with it when you yourself were kind of a new mother? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, I mean, I, in a way, like I couldn't, I, I absolutely, I know I couldn't have written this book without being a mother myself um, because so much of this story obviously came to me sort of after I'd had my son and I had you know, spent a lot of time, especially during those sort of first six months thinking about, you know, just the expectations of motherhood and, you know, the, the, the pressures and the expectations that society places on women to have a certain experience and feel a certain way and be a certain kind of mother, you know, even the way that we're meant to kind of talk about it and the language we use. Um, and that is what I wanted to explore. And I didn't, you know, I wanted to write about a woman who, for whom it did not go as she had hoped and as she had planned, but I wasn't sure exactly where this was going to end up. And so, uh, you know, a lot of those early days, to your point, like, you know, I had a six month old at home. And I was then, you know, sitting down to write about a woman who had a six month old who was having a much darker experience than I was. Um, and, you know, I think it, it wasn't as hard as I maybe you would expect. And I think it's because, um, like, I, I'm t- more like the darker parts of it. Um, I think it's because it was sort of therapeutic in a way to explore, you know, the fears and the anxieties of motherhood through writing when you're a mother yourself, um, which is maybe why I think moms love reading these kinds of books in the, at the end of the day is because it's it's a place to kind of explore those fears and anxieties, which are, you know, so linked so strongly with motherhood. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are some dark parts of the book and looking back, um, they're, they're harder, they're, they're, they feel darker to me to read than they did to write. Um, in a way. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, looking back on that, sometimes I think, wow, like I, that maybe that was harder than I, <laughs> than I, than it, you know, it should have been harder than it was at the time. But um, I think it's just part of the writing mentality. I feel like it would be for me, one of those things that would disturb me sort of emotionally if I were writing kind of the darker version of something that I was going through. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure emotionally I could <laughs> I could handle that like in myself. It's fine for me to to read. I read all manner of dark things, but I'm not sure how that would be for me to create something like that. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, and I almost feel the opposite. It's funny, like I, some of these scenes, I think, wow, I, I would probably have a hard time, harder time reading than I did writing. But yeah, I don't know. I think too, because... Um, you know, it wasn't my experience. I mean, I probably would have had a harder time if I really was feeling, you know, in the kind of space that Blythe was. Um, mm-hmm. luck, you know, luckily I wasn't. Luckily, you know, I loved my son and felt that connection. Um, and, you know, but definitely could recognize how hard motherhood was and, and about those expectations. And so, yeah, it was sort of more exploring kind of the fear than it was exploring my reality. So the book has been out in the world. 
um, at the time of recording anyway, for just over 24 hours. <laughs> and I'm wondering how you are feeling now that this is sort of a, a finished thing. Like now it's completely out of your hands and, and into the hands of readers everywhere. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I, it, it all feels so new still. I mean, yesterday, the publication day was just like a whirlwind. It was like just there is. Yeah, it was really exciting to be getting messages from people and seeing kind of press hit. Um, yeah, it feels, you know, I think the coolest part of it is just hearing from people who are reading it now because, you know, you work on a book for so long and, you know, it, the book was acquired probably, I think it was eight, 18 months ago. So it's been a long, it was a long lead up from sort of that acquisition of the book to the publication. Um, so it's just felt like a long time coming and it, it's just so nice to have it. Like I've heard from so many readers on social media, which I love, like people sending me messages and saying um, how they related to the book or how the book touched them. That That is the most remarkable part. It makes it feel very real, um, which is really cool. But it, you know, it does feel like its own thing now, like its own, like it has its own life and it's, it has its own you know, it's its own entity out in the world now. It's it's really, um, it does feel that way. It feels a little bit like letting go of it yesterday and putting it out there to be, you know, in the hands of readers for their own experience. Um, so that feels, that feels cool. That feels really cool. Yeah. And what do you see kind of coming next for you? Mm, well, I'm writing the second book now, um, which I'm loving doing. So that's it's called The Whispers, um, and it's it's go, I'm going through revisions right now. Um, so I have sort of a, a, a pretty good handle on what it is, but I'm still kind of working it through. And yeah, I've, I'm enjoying writing it. It's it's it feels like such a different experience for so many ways to write a, to write the second book. Um, you know, for the obvious reasons that now there is a deadline, and you know, ah yes somebody you are handing the book to, um, you know, you feel like, you know, you know who your editors are, you know, like, you know, all of that. And you're starting to get an idea of who your readers are a little bit. And so that has that context really, I think, changes things for the second book, which I, you know, sort of always read about or, you know, listen to other authors talk about. And now I'm certainly experiencing that myself. But it's also been fun to just be in a different world and create a different world with new all new characters and a different setting and kind of different themes at the heart of it. Um, it's still a book that touches on you know motherhood and marriage and you know some of those things are the same um but the characters are quite different and sort of the conflicts are quite different and so yeah it's, it's been fun excellent i will have to keep an eye out for it then in the coming i'm guessing like 2022 yeah sort so. of the the target of that yeah i'm not a a patient reader unfortunately i'm always looking at goodreads at like the things that are coming out you know in in months i'm like oh like can it be like march already like come on now yeah me too <laughs> i'm the same i always love reading new releases and what's coming out next and yes. i'm not really not really one i wish I, I wish i was somebody to go back and like you know read the classics and read kind of you know um, the big, even like the modern classics like the books people love from like you know yes. 10 years ago but i i always just want to read what's coming next <laughs> yeah i do kind of a mix i think especially like for the podcast you know i want to go back and read things that have made an impression on people I don't necessarily want to read like actual classics like yeah you know Emerson or Thoreau mm -hmm. or Austin so much but like the big books you know if I look at like what sort of started the whole psychological thriller thing you know I, I like to go back and kind of look at the um kind of the thing that got everybody 
really into reading these types of books. Kind of like the game changer books. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that means I go back and read things that are, you know, 10 or 15 years old. Um, And sometimes I I don't, but it's always sort of in the back of my mind, like, oh, you know, what, what should I read? What influenced all the things that are coming out now? Yes, I agree. So what do you read either when you're writing or between books? Like, are you somebody who reads kind of outside your genre when you're writing or does it not affect you? Yeah, I don't feel like my writing is that affected by what I'm reading at the time. I'm sure on some subconscious level it is, <laughs> but it's but I don't I don't feel that. I know some readers have a hard time with that, I, or some writers do. I that I love to be reading. Just I love to be reading at the same time that I'm writing because it does kind of just overall kind of creative juices flowing. But um, what do I read? I you know it's inter- I probably read more literary than I write. Um, that's sort of more my leaning. I don't read a lot of psychological thrillers, um, back to our very original conversation. I love to pick up the ones that people say are the best, um, and kind of, you know, love those writers. Like, you know, there's, I mean, there's so many to mention, but, um, you know, like Lisa Jewell's wonderful, um, Sherry wonderful. Sherry's also Canadian and lives in Toronto. So I love to follow her career. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some great writers in that genre, but yeah, mostly I think more, little more literary leaning. Um, and I, I really love to just have my finger on the pulse of like what is out there that's resonating. Like I will, I'm the person who will read the bestseller list books and, you know, the award-winning books. Like I, I find that interesting. Um, so that's sort of more my leaning, I would say. Have you read anything lately that you really mm. loved? Yes, I have. I feel like I'm I'm on a good streak right now. I should knock on wood. <laughs> I hope that yeah. continues. But um, I have loved oh so many. I the the book that really pulled me out of my sort of pandemic reading slump that I feel like we all kind of experienced to some degree um, is Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. Have you read oh, that yeah. yet? Uh, yes, it's, I read it last year. Yeah. I, I like that really pulled me out. I really liked his voice. Um, and I just, yeah, that book really just, yeah, loved it. I felt like it felt like a very book of the moment. I was reading it sort of, um, you know, in the pandemic and it's sort of about this sort of alternate world. And so it yes. felt very on the moment of 2020, 2020. Um, I loved Luster by Raven Leilani. Um, I don't know if you've read that as well. That but is on my list of oh, things to read really good it's really good it's um I think like you know there's a you know very good story and kind of premise and theme but more for me about that book was like sentence by sentence paragraph by paragraph I mean she is a brilliant writer like really truly genius and I'm excited for it yeah I think as somebody who like really appreciates books like you do and you know as a it's definitely like as a writer it's just a mind-blowing book to read um and it's one that I I would go back and I'll still go back and kind of read the ending because I loved it so much and just every every sentence is really Really well crafted, so I loved that. Um, there's a couple books coming out. I mean, you, you as well, you do that. You must get this too, but you get kind of early copies of books, which oh, is yes, fun. yes, I love um, them. I'm reading so a new Kristen Hanna right now. Oh, that's great! I'm so excited to read that as yes. well. That looks so yes. good. It's so very very few- good few kind of coming up that are great there's one book I just finished called Girl A by Abigail Dean, which comes out I think in February here. Oh, I have seen um, that. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so that and yeah, a few a few others I've been lucky to have early sneak peeks of. But yes, arcs are amazing. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy um, 
release week schedule to chat with me. Before I let you go, can you let listeners know how to find you online if they wish to chat with you about your book? Sure. And thanks for having me, Shannon. This was really a pleasure to chat. Um, yeah, I, I guess the best place probably um, Twitter, I'm at Audrain on Twitter and Instagram is at Ashley Audrain. Um, and I have, you know, upcoming events and things like that on my website, which is AshleyAudrain.com. All right. Well, perfect. And congratulations on hitting the book world with such a splash for your first book. It was it was amazing. Oh, thanks, Shannon. All right, you take care and good luck with your next book. Okay, take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Okay, new books. So the Book Bistro crew has been looking forward to January 12th, pretty much since we did our most anticipated books of January episode in December of last year. So this is a highly anticipated day for us. The first several books I'm going to tell you about are books that you've heard us talk about before on that particular episode, and then we'll move into some new stuff. So the first two are books that I mentioned on the most anticipated books of January. The first one, these are both historical fiction, the first one is The Yellow Wife by Sadiqa Johnson, and I will be attending her launch event for this book later tonight. I'm really excited for this. It will be my first book by her, and it looks so amazing. Then we have The Children's Blizzard by Melanie Benjamin. I was lucky enough to read an early copy of this. It is historical fiction at its best, uh, tragedy, heroism, amazing historical detail. I loved it so incredibly much. Then let's move on to some stuff that Natalia mentioned. This is Concrete Rose and it's labeled as The Hate You Give Zero by Angie Thomas. The Hate You Give is amazing. I'm so looking forward to this prequel. Um, Natalia and I just love Angie Thomas. Then we have a book that Kristen is looking forward to. And this is The Frozen Crown, The Frozen Crown number one by Greta Kelly. This looks like young adult fantasy. And then Brooke has some futuristic kind of dystopian fiction for us with The Captive by Fiona King Foster. And if this turns out to be as apocalyptic as it looks, this is going to be right up my alley. So this is one that I definitely plan to get my hands on really, really soon. So those are the books that you've heard us talk about before. So let's move on now to books we haven't mentioned. We have some young adult to start us off. The Angel of Greenwood by Randy Pink. This is more historical fiction. This is set in 1921, and it talks about the Greenwood Massacre in Oklahoma, which is something that I knew very little about up until last year when people started talking about the race riots in Oklahoma. So I really want to read a fictionalized account of what happened and, you know, get at least a, a better sense of kind of all of the, the moving parts of that. So this is The Angel of Greenwood, and it is by Randy Pink. We then have another kind of 
timely on-point novel, although this one being contemporary. And this is going to make Natalia really, really happy because Natalia absolutely adores Rachel Vincent. And Rachel Vincent has a new book. This is Every Single Lie. It's a novel about social media bullying and the ways in which that harms people. And just for an extra little twist, it's also the story of the discovery of a dead baby. It's Every Single Lie by Rachel Vincent. And if you love time travel, then you will definitely want to check this out. This is Shine Until Tomorrow. It is by Carla Molden. And it's about a young girl who's living in contemporary times. She has a fight with her parents. And somehow, when she's walking away to clear her head, she gets swept back in time to 1967. When time travel is done well, it is one of my favorite things. So I really want to check this out. It is Shine Until Tomorrow, and it's by Carla Molden. Now... I'm going to move on to some mysteries and thrillers because why not? I love them so much. In fact, I've been reading a bunch of them just in like this first couple weeks of 2020. So first up with mysteries, we have A Stranger at the Door, Rachel Marin, number two by Jason Pinter. This is the follow-up to last year's Hideaway. And it looks like it has a lot to do with vigilante justice and some twisty psychological intrigue. I have not read Hideaway yet, although it is currently on my iPad, and I've heard amazing things about it. So if you have read it, then you might want to look at number two in the series. It is A Stranger at the Door, Rachel Marin, number two, by Jason Pinter. We then have a new series. This is Deep into the Dark, Detective Margaret Nolan, number one by PJ Tracy. And I really enjoyed PJ Tracy's Monkey Wrench series back in the early 2000s. They were fun thrillers about like computer hacking, kind of before hacking was something that we heard more about. Um, they were very smart, just a lot of fun to read, some really good suspense, and some phenomenal characters. So I am expecting great things from this new series. Again, this is Deep Into the Dark, Detective Margaret Nolan, number one by PJ Tracy. Then we have The Perfect Guest. This is by Emma Rouse. And I read The Au Pair by Rouse a few years ago, and it was so, so good. It reminded me a little bit of, like, Kate Morton, although with the less of a gothic feel than what Morton writes. And it was just very twisty, very suspenseful, very atmospheric. And so I am ready for another Emma Rouse book. I've heard good things about this one. I have it sitting on my iPad right now. It is The Perfect Guest, and it's by Emma Rouse. And speaking of atmospheric books, let's talk about Before the Ruins. This is by Victoria Gosling, and this is about four friends, an empty mansion, and one night that will haunt them forever. If you love authors like Tana French and Donna Tartt, this might be the book for you. I'm always looking for these really atmospheric, creepy books about close-knit groups of friends who 
perhaps don't know each other as well as they think they do. So this is on my short list of things to grab this week. It is Before the Ruins, and it's by Victoria Gosling. And I'm going to segue into some historical fiction, starting out with a historical mystery. And we start with Dear Miss Cobb, Cobb Sisters, number six, by Amy Stewart. And these are historical mysteries, as I said, about one of the first female sheriffs. And I've heard really good things about these books. I think the first one came out, I don't know, maybe 2015. And so many people love them. I own the first book. I simply haven't read it yet, although that has more to do with me and the amount of things that I have to read than it does with the book itself. So maybe you are caught up and you're ready for book six. And if you are, it is Dear Miss Cop, Cop Sisters, number six by Amy Stewart. And if you like World War II era fiction, I have a couple of things here for you. We have Lana's War by Anita Abriel, and she wrote a book last year called The Light After the War. This one is about a woman who is hired as a spy for the French Resistance during World War II. She ends up spending some time on the French Riviera, and all kinds of things, both good and bad, will occur for her. I definitely want to check this out. I really loved last year's The Black Swan of Paris by Karen Robards. And this one, I don't know if it's going to be quite as intense as the Robards book, but it has a little bit of that feel in terms of like spying for the resistance. So this once again is Lana's War by Anita Abriel. Then we have The Last Garden in England by Julia Kelly. And Julia Kelly wrote a couple of really stellar books dealing with World War II. One is called The Whispers of War, and the other is The Light Over London. This one is a little bit different. It looks at five women who live in various centuries across time, and these women are bound together by one very special place. From the title, I'm guessing it's a garden, although that is just a guess. So this one is The Last Garden in England by Julia Kelly. And... Next up, we have Find Me in Havana. This is by Serena Burdick. I really loved her book, um, The Girls with No Names, last year about a school, kind of a home for troubled teenage girls in the early part of the 20th century. This one is also set in the early 20th century, and it is about one of Hollywood's most beloved Spanish actresses. It's also about her daughter's search for closure. And books set kind of in the early days of Hollywood are something that I pick up whenever I get a chance. There are not nearly enough of these things written for my liking, so I definitely want to grab this one. Again, it is Find Me in Havana, and it is by Serena Burdick. Then, the next few books are just um, kind of general fiction we start out by The Center of Everything by 
Jamie Harrison. She wrote The Widow Nash a few years ago, and although I haven't read it, I've heard great things about it, and it has been on my massive TBR shelf for quite a long time. This one will join it. It is a family saga. It's set in Montana, and it deals a lot with love and healing and just the complex bonds of family. Um, it looks like one of those kind of long books that you can just lose yourself in and really get to know these characters. If you love family sagas, if you're doing a particular book challenge that calls for a family saga, this one could work very nicely for you. And this is The Center of Everything by Jamie Harrison. Then we have Siri, Who Am I? by Sam Jita. This is the story of a woman who has amnesia and she's trying to use her Instagram account to piece her life back together, try to regain her memories, um, a really clever use for technology and something I haven't seen done in too much fiction. So I'm looking forward to this one. It is Siri, Who Am I? And it's by Sam Jita. Then we have... Waiting for the Night Song by Julie Carrick Dalton. This is a novel of childhood friendships that are ruptured by adult secrets. It's a story about a woman who has been keeping one particular secret close for years and years. And what happens to her and her best friend when the secret comes to life? Or to light, I should say. And this is Waiting for the Night Song by Julie Carrick Dalton. Lastly, I want to talk about a fantasy novel in a series that Kristen is a big fan of. This is The Conjurer, and it is The Vine Witch, book three, by Luann G. Smith. And Kristen read the first book in the series last year, I think, and just flew through it. She said it was fascinating, with very original world building, a lot of intrigue, some really cool magic. Um, so if you're a fan of witch books, you might want to check this out. Um, probably not a great idea to start with book three, but the first two are definitely out. So this one is The Conjurer, and it's The Vine Witch, book three, by Luann G. Smith. And that does it for me this evening. I am so glad that I was able to talk to you about a really nice assortment of new books. Um, January is just a great book release month. And if you think January is as great as I think it is, wait until February. I've been compiling the list of February releases, and there's so much to look forward to in February. So definitely pay attention to these Tuesday morning book release episodes to hear more about books coming out over the next few weeks. Anyway, I hope you have found a thing or two or ten to add to your TBR shelf. I know mine grows in leaps and bounds whenever I research for one of these. I hope all of you are staying safe and happy and well. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So 
I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.